0: Good morning, everybody. Okay, God, we we want to hear from you. Thank you that you have brought us this far. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your leading. Thank you for your scent, the sense of your presence among us. And we want to listen, Lord, this morning to what you are saying for us as a people for this year. That we might be led by you and hungry for you and that we might become closer to you through the course of 2024. We're not asking for an easy year, God. We're asking for a year in which we grow in you and in which we see your kingdom advancing where we are in Jesus' name. So, yes, motto text. Um, You'll never guess what the motto text is, but I'm going to reveal it partway through the sermon. (laughs) Oh, oh no, we've already sung it. (laughs) But... um, I guess we are always ask, I would ask the question, uh, which we do when we get to this point in the leadership team meetings where we're thinking about, well, what's the motto text going to be for next year? And it's always good to remind ourselves why we have a motto text. Why do we do it? Can you remember, Can anybody, in, a, in an instant, what was last year's motto text? Hmm? Oh, can we have a little round of applause for Graham there? Very good, very good. We should have a motto text. I should say we should only have a motto text if it shapes the way we behave, if it shapes the way we live, if it's in our focus and it's a way of digging in to a truth that we need to step forward in and grow in. There's no point in just having someone that sits as a little strap line on the letterhead and doesn't impact the way that we live. Now, I had a, a thought around about November time, um, and you might think this is a very simplistic sentence, um, but it really impacted me when I, I... In fact, I even posted it on social media. Um, if we really believe that prayer changes things then we will pray. Does that make sense? I mean, you know, it might be too simplistic. I think that's an incredibly profound sentence. If we believe that prayer changes things, then we will pray. If prayer is the last thing we think about doing when we get under stress or when things get difficult, or when we have a headache, or when there's stuff kicking off that we don't have the answers to, and we go first of all to panic, or we go first of all to the paracetamol, and there's' run paracetamol, and maybe sometimes we do need to panic. But if our first port of call is not committing something to God, then we need to grow in our understanding of how much prayer changes things and how much of an impact connecting with God on something and speaking his word over something has on the situation. If we really believe that prayer changes things, then we will pray. And what I'd love is if as we take this passage and think about it this year and maybe dig into it and maybe in our life groups and we keep it in our minds... Wouldn't it be great if we become more and more and more of a praying people this year? Like, just think about the the impact that that could have on our lives and the way that we the way that we live them. So, let's read the passage. And you may remember back to uh, I think it was twenty eighteen. We had a, a a motto text from this same passage. And, uh, and it was actually the one that we had a song to, uh, which I think Joel really liked that song, didn't you? Encourage one another and build one another up. <laughs> do, 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 do. Encourage one another and build one another up. Uh, so this is the, um, the passage for this year. And uh, where are we? Okay, 12 to 22. Dear brothers and sisters, honour those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, take tender care of those who are weak, be patient with everyone. See to it that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and all and to all people. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good and stay away from every kind. Of evil. Now, these are Paul's final words to uh, in his first letter to the church in Thessalonica. And uh, so out of that passage, actually, back in 2018, we developed the House of Encouragement series, which you can actually, you can still um, access on the website. And there's the teaching notes and stuff around that, uh, which we did in life groups. And it's a brilliant passage. And it's Paul uh, encouraging, really, encouraging the church in Thessalonica to build a church community culture where people flourish in their walk with God. You know, Jesus in, his, in Acts eight, uh, you know, go and make disciples. And this is a great passage that just helps to facilitate that. It's giving them, as the church leaders, great advice on how do you create an environment in which people grow in their walk with God? How do people be strengthened? How do people become closer to God? How do they learn about him, know him, walk with him? How does their walk with God change their behavior, change their outlook and change the communities that they're part of? And you know that idea of a place where people flourish, where people are discipled and grow in God and advance God's kingdom wherever they go, is that or is that not a community that we want Glendale Church to be? I think we could even be more enthusiastic about that. Is that the type of community (laughs) that we want to be? And so um, the passage for this year, the the little strap line or the verse, and I I, I think, having been looking at this and looking at the Greek and stuff, like all scholars do, (laughs) not really, um, I I actually, what we would coined as the, the actual wording for this was pray about everything, always be thankful. And that might remain the, the case. But uh, actually, the word uh, there for pray incessantly, I mean, if you, if you want to know the Greek, what the Greek said about pray, you know, what, what, what did it mean? It means pray. No further, <laughs> no further clarification on that one. Um, but they, they pray about everything or pray in all circumstances. Uh, it means incessantly. Pray incessantly. That means without interruption, constantly living lives of prayer. Or is it talking about contemplative prayer? Intercessory prayer? Healing prayer? Freedom prayer, deliverance prayer, corporate prayer. Yes, it's talking about all of it. And it's basically saying in everything and in every way you can imagine and in every way that you can and wherever you can and with whoever you can, pray, communicate with God, walk with God, be in relationship and communion with him incessantly. So we're going to take a few minutes to look at at perhaps why it's important that we should live a life of prayer. That we should pray incessantly. And before we do that, I'm just going to quickly grab some water. Firstly, because we were created for relationship with God. Look back to Genesis God creates people and there's this pattern that they have of every evening in the cool of the day, just hanging out with God in relationship. There was a, a familiarity and a growing together in relationship because they spent time together, walking together in the cool of the day, communicating, just being together in relationship Um, Now, Colleen and I, we like an evening walk, um, and back in 2018, so Colleen came to Newbury uh, to work in the church in 2018, and uh, it was actually, I think it might have been Joel and Amy, I think, that first noticed that Colleen and I had started to take walks in the evening, and they were like, oh, that's interesting, isn't it? Um, Because, you know, Colleen, we'd known each other for 20 years, well, 2000 we met at Bible College, and uh, f- from 2003, when we left Bible College, until 2017, I think we saw each other twice, maybe three times. And if you'd asked me in 2015, do you know Colleen Fisher? I'd be like, yeah, I know Colleen Fisher. We went to Bible College together. We, we, know, we spent lots of time together back then. And uh, so, yes, I knew Colleen Fisher. Um, but in the November, so uh, she came to work in... January 2018 uh I, I, we quickly realized by about the May that oh, we might be becoming a little bit more than friends, so I backed off uh, line managing her, and that was all sorted out. She was line managed by somebody else, and we began to quite discreetly because was you know a little bit in front of everyone, uh, just began to spend a bit more time together, and by the October, we realized, yes, this is, and we got together, and then in the November, we got engaged. And that Christmas, I thought, I'm going to buy a really nice Christmas present for Colleen. So I bought her a really nice, its like nearly £100, uh, silk scarf. An orange flowery silk scarf. Now, has anyone ever seen Colleen wearing the orange flowery silk scarf? No. Now, there's two reasons for that. One is she doesn't like orange. Not, not on anyone else. Well, oh no, she doesn't wear orange, it doesn't work well with her complexion or whatever. And her eyes, it's like, oh, it matches the orange in your eyes. Um, and she doesn't like the feel of silk. So you asked me, do you know Colleen? Yes, I, I did know Colleen. But also, no. No, I didn't know Colleen. And <laughs> I don't know if you ever think you know a woman. <laughs> you just, you know, you wait out, wait because you you realize you don't know a thing about this person, and and over time we we've been married now for four and a half years, and you know we're just at the beginning, but we have been through some things. You know, we went through COVID, we've been through the death of my mum, we've been through two miscarriages, we've been through her her last of her grandparent, and then in the last year we had Rebecca in six weeks in intensive care, and then a year of really intense, round-the-clock care for her. And, you know, you get to see what somebody's really like when things go wrong and when you're under pressure. You get to know someone when they're, you're in a bad mood or at different times of the month. People behave differently for certain reasons and whatever. Um, and you get to know their likes and their dislikes. Get to know what offends them, what excites them. What motivates them? What are their dreams and visions and goals for the future, aspirations? And now I could more wholeheartedly, if you asked me that question, do you know Colleen, not Fisher anymore, Colleen Bate? I would say yes, and also no, no but a little bit less no and a little bit more yes than four and a half years ago because I'm getting to know her and the more you know someone, the more you get to know them and the more time you spend and the more of a life you do with them, the more you know them. God wants you to know him. And God wants to know you. And that develops through time. It develops through being real with him. Now, you look at the Psalms. You know, David in the Psalms wasn't always like, oh, I'm having a lovely day, and God is good, and everything's fine. You see, time and time again in the Psalms, David, he gets into a rage because I'm really miffed with this person, and look what they... Why don't you kill them all? You know, and he just... What we see in David's relationship with God in the Psalms is... A real relationship. And God gets to see David. Of course, God sees everyone. But actually, David relates to God in all those things. When he's in a bad mood, when things are going wrong, when he's up against it, when he's under pressure. All of that comes out towards God. He relates to God on it all. He shares, he unburdens his heart to God. He listens to God and you see it often in the Psalms. David's like, and everybody's miserable and everybody hates me and I'm, but you are God and you are worthy and majestic and how holy is your name? And suddenly his attitude and his everything shifts As he's walking with God, as he unloads this stuff onto God and he listens to what God's heart is in the matter and he gets a complete shift in perspective. That's because he's in relationship with God and he's walking this life of incessant prayer without interruption, constantly walking with God. So that's the first thing. We were created for relationship with God. There's a Catechism, a Westminster Catechism, that says the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We were created to be in relationship with God. So that's the number one reason why we should pray incessantly. I'm loving the word incessantly, actually. It's growing on me. Pray continually. Pray about everything Pray constantly without interruption because we were created for relationship with God. The second thing is that God is our source. Do we look to God as our source? Do, we find, do you find yourself getting frustrated and striving and hot under the collar trying to make things happen? Do we prefer to think that we can live independently of God? I mean, in the grand scheme of things, none of us lives independently of God. Nobody on the planet does. You know, look in Colossians 1. He holds all things together. Everything was created by him and for him. And he keeps it all in motion. You know, every... Every proton and neutron and electron in every atom in the universe is held together by God. And if God says hey, it's time's up, woof, you know, He holds all things together. So in that respect, He is our source. But think about Jesus in John five nineteen. He, in fact, if we could just quickly read that, why not? Is everybody okay? Good, good, good. John 5, 19. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. Jesus recognizing that if I'm going to live fruitfully, if I'm going to fulfill the purpose for my life, I need to do what I hear God doing. I need to do what I see him doing. I'm going to recognize him as my source. So in our choosing to live life and how we do it, are we recognizing, and are we bringing ourselves before God, even just in the simplistic things, the little things in the day-to-day that we think, well, God's given me the ability and he's given me intelligence and he's given me, you know, a free will and all of that. And that's great. And let's use those things for his glory. But actually, when we surrender those things to him and we stop and allow him to lead us, I think things are so much better. Jeremiah 2.13. Sorry. In fact, in verse 12, it says, "'The heavens are shocked at such a thing "'and shrink back in horror and dismay,' says the Lord. "'For my people have done two evil things.'" They've abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. Now, we've spoken about this verse a few times. It's really important. Thinking that we have everything that we need to do all that we need to do in our lives, for our families, for our work, To do all that we need to do for God. That's all in our own strength and in our own reason and in our own mental capacity. And not putting ourselves before God and saying, you know what, God, you are my source. You are where my wisdom comes from. You are where my strength comes from. You're where my resilience comes from. You're where my hope and where my joy and where my peace and you are where my guidance comes from. And I'm going to stop and listen. In every moment where we have the opportunity, stop and listen. Submit and cease striving. Allow him to be your strength, your guide, your hope, your joy, your source. You weren't created to just do this stuff in your own strength and your own ability. God invites us into relationship and he invites us in the recognition that he is the potter and we are the clay. And he's fine with that. He's fine with the fact that he's the strength and we are the one who need his strength. He's fine with the fact that he is the source and we are the ones who draw from him. In fact, Jesus even said in John somewhere 14 to 18, somewhere like that, Jesus says, every vine that does not remain in me just gets cut off. We're invited. In fact, we're commanded, we're instructed to remain in him, to draw our strength from him. So living a life of prayer, living a life in constant communion with God, listening to him, surrendering stuff to him, talking to him about stuff, and stopping and listening to his response is vitally important in recognizing God as our source. So we were created for relationship with God. God is our source. And the third thing is we have been commissioned to bring in the kingdom. Colossians 3, 12 to 17. This was actually read in the wedding yesterday. Uh, Trouble is, I've got a relatively new Bible and the pages stick together and it's not very easy to find what you want. Colossians three, twelve to 17. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves... You must clothe yourselves with tender hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony and let the peace that comes from Christ rule. In your hearts, for as members of one body, you're called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do As a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. This little passage is is really about living lives of prayer that flow outwards, living it out. Jesus, in uh, in his instruction of how to pray... Remember those words, really important part of the Lord's prayer. Let your kingdom come. And it's one prayer that we know we can always pray without any question about whether we're praying in line with God's will or not. His desire is to for his kingdom to advance in our world. So when you pray, Lord, let your kingdom come, it has power. Now, I've just... Um, Got a couple of sentences to read from this book here. It's by Max Zicardo, The Great House of God. Um, It's a nice little book. But listen to this passage about when you pray, Your kingdom come. It says, When you say, Thy kingdom come, you are inviting the Messiah himself to walk into your world. Come, my king, take your throne. In our land. Be present in my heart. Be present in my office. Come into my marriage. Be Lord of my family. My fears and my doubts. This is no feeble request. It is a bold appeal for God. To occupy every corner of your life. Imagine. God. God occupying every corner of your life. Lord, let your kingdom come in my mind and my behavior. Let your kingdom come in my family. Let your kingdom come in my community. Let your kingdom come in my workplace, in my school, in my college, in my social networks. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom advance. That last few Verses, the last verse actually, about everything that you do, do as a representative of the Lord Jesus. I was talking to someone last night who does some work with the the foreign office with them supporting, what are they called? Ambassadors. Now an ambassador is someone in another country, another territory, who has the authority to speak and act on behalf of the government they represent. So if you're the ambassador to Germany, you can go, you can actually, you, you can act and speak the things that you say, you are speaking, authorized to speak on behalf of the British government in Germany. And when somebody walks into an embassy, if you walk into the British embassy in Germany, you are actually under. British rule when you're in that embassy. British law applies to you in that embassy. And actually, German police don't have jurisdiction in that embassy because that embassy is under the authority of the United Kingdom. You have been commissioned and you have been authorised to act and walk and speak and behave as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you walk into a room, it could be as if, as if Jesus walked into the room. Now you just take a look at the Gospels. Maybe this week, read one of the Gospels. And you just have a look at some of the things that happened when Jesus walked into a room. What happened when Jesus walked into a room? Nothing remained the same. The authority of the kingdom of God broke out wherever Jesus went. In every conversation, in every room, in every place he went, the authority of the kingdom of God stepped in with him. And we have the invitation. We have been authorised. And when we're walking in surrender to God, when we're listening to him, when we're looking at what he's doing, when we're listening to what he's saying and going where he says to go, we go with his authority and we can begin to expect. And I I long for more and more to see the stuff that Jesus saw when we walk into a room. Joshua 1 verses 2 to 3. Well, in Deuteronomy. This is God's commission to uh, Joshua. He says, I promise you what I promised Moses wherever you set your foot, you will be walking on land that I have given you. So we pray because we were created for relationship. We pray. Relentlessly. Or what's the word I was using? Incessantly. Because God is our source. He's where our strength comes from. He's where our wisdom comes from. Our joy, our hope. Guidance. And we pray because we have been commissioned. Commissioned. Not really, you know, he didn't say to his disciples, If you really feel like it, you know, you might want to make the odd disciple here and there. It doesn't matter if not, but, you know. He's like, go and make disciples. So pray about everything. Pray relentlessly. Pray incessantly. Pray continually. And the second part of it is really always be thankful. And why should we always be thankful? Be thankful because God wants to be your friend. Be thankful because God wants to be your source. Be thankful because God wants to build his kingdom through you. We're not on our own. Life hasn't been Handed to us to be boring and for us to just about hold the fort until Jesus comes. We've got a mission. So let's live it out. Why don't we pray? And uh, then we're going to go into a little bit of worship.